Good morning. For this is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. For there is so much we have to be thankful for, and I am very thankful that I am here with you on this Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. This is one of my favorite times on the, uh, in the church calendar, and, um, and it's wonderful to be able to be back at Creston. It's been a while. It's been over a year, maybe even two years, but it's good to be back with your uh, congregation, and uh, I am just looking forward to what God is going to do in this season um, here at your church and also uh, in uh, the community. So if you will bow your heads uh, with a word of prayer, and then we will hear from God's word. It is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you honor and glory on this Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. We ask, Lord God, that you would illuminate your word. May you open our hearts, our ears, that we might receive from you. We give you all honor and glory that you deserve. It's in Jesus we pray. Let the church say amen. It's amazing. The church is everywhere. The church is everywhere. People are worshiping our Lord on this Palm Sunday everywhere, and it's good to be in his house one more time, wherever that is. So if you will turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter uh, 14. I'm reading from the New International uh, Version. Jesus anointed at Bethany. Now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during this festival not during this festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage, wages. And the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. But 
you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to portray Jesus. This is the word of God. I've entitled this message, The Message in the Alabaster Jar. The Message in the Alabaster Jar. I thank you again for this opportunity on this Palm Sunday, we begin the Passion Week with Jesus. He rides in to Jerusalem on a donkey in what's called the triumphal entry in Jerusalem. He drives out the money changers in the temple courts. He clashes with the religious officials as they question his authority and even plan to arrest and kill him. He spends time teaching his disciples how to live when he departs and even when he comes back again. So Mark 14, in which we just heard, is the longest chapter in the Gospel of Mark. You know, Mark keeps things simple, and he packs things in. So there's 72 verses in this particular chapter. Jesus spent some intimate moments with his disciples. He spent intimate time with uh, his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. In this chapter also, Jesus is arrested, and uh, he makes an appearance or appearances before the religious officials. And we even see at the end of this chapter that Peter denies Jesus, and he's broken before him. He is also restored. And so in thinking about this particular lesson in chapter 14, we see glimpses of darkness and light, hatred and love, deception and truth. And this is Holy Week. This is Holy Week. Darkness and light, hatred and love, deception and truth. And in the shadows of this lesson, we see the religious leaders are going to plot against Jesus so that he is arrested. And we know the rest of the story as we walk through this week. But here we find Jesus in Bethany. And Jesus loved being in Bethany. In Bethany, For we remember that he had been at the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus and spent time with them. 
So this was a very comfortable place for Jesus to be. And while he was reclining about to have a meal, it actually says that he was at the house of uh, Simon the leper. And it's believed that uh, this, we don't know exactly who Simon is, but it's believed that he is someone who was healed by Jesus. And it wasn't unusual for uh, others to be invited to the house to honor someone. So Jesus was being honored and Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Lazarus were also invited to this particular meal. Jesus had some disciples with him. As we read this account in other Gospels, it will give us a little more than what Mark gives us. Mark has a tendency, it's kind of like I am, sort of get to the bottom line and sometimes misses some of that in between. But it is God's word and God uh, allows us to uh, get a fuller sense of, his, uh, of this uh, particular text in some of the other um, Gospels. So what we see is a woman, and Mark doesn't uh, name the woman, but he says she, a woman came. She came with, with an alabaster jar, and in the jar there was some very uh, expensive uh, perfume called nar, actually spicknar, and it was pure. It, it was a high fragrance. It, it smelled good. It had a sweet uh, aroma. In fact, when I was in Israel, I happened to get me some, uh, some of the, uh, the oil. It wasn't pure, but this was pure, and it's, it's uh, said that it was worth a year's wages. And as I read somewhere that if we're uh, thinking about today, it would, could be from thirty to $50,000 in a jar. And she takes the oil. And this account, it says that she anoints his head. But elsewhere, we know that she took the oil and she poured the oil on his head and on his feet, and she wiped the oil with her hair. And we also know that this is Mary. This is the same Mary. You know, there were two anointings. This is the second one. But this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. You remember that she was the one who sat at Jesus' feet. She was the one who Jesus taught, and she got close to Jesus. She learned about Jesus and his, his purpose, his mission of coming and so, she anoints Jesus. And this was not a, a random or a spontaneous uh, act of gratitude. No, I believe Mary had this in mind when she came to the house because she had the oil with her. Her attention was centered on Jesus. Her attention was centered on Jesus. That was a good thing. As she poured, she poured the oil, anointing the one who is a king. But the disciples, the disciples were 
indignant. And one of them said that, why are we wasting this oil, this expensive perfume? Why are we wasting it when we can sell it and give it to the poor? Some of us know what it's like to have a dis-ease, a dis-ease when someone misunderstands us or there's something about us that they don't really understand or even agree with. And sometimes they even say harsh things in our face. And this is what they were doing with Mary when actually all she came to do was to show her affection, her affection to her Lord. And I think it's very beautiful that God uses a woman, a woman to anoint Jesus, unashamed, vulnerable, This is not something that was typical in those days. But Mary pressed on, and she anointed Jesus. They rebuked her. But Jesus made four powerful statements. In verse 6, he says, leave her alone. Isn't that beautiful? Leave her alone. They were trying to get rid of her. They were trying to stop her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. And then he says, she has done a beautiful thing. We're going somewhere with this. She has done a beautiful thing. It was unselfish what she had done. It wasn't about her, but it was about her Lord. And thirdly, Jesus says, she did what she could. She did what she could. Not what someone else would have done, not what the disciples thought she should have done, but she did what she could do, which was to give this expensive oil for the anointing of Jesus. And then he says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And then he says, one more, he says, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, what she did will be remembered. It was a memorial, what she had. This is a a big thing. It's, It's a big thing. And while the disciples thought she had done something wrong, Jesus says she did a beautiful thing. She did what she could. Leave her alone. I like that song by uh, Lauren Daigle, You Say. It's called You Say. There's one line she sings. I'm sure someone at home is shaking their head. I know that song. I love that song. But there's one line she sings, and it says, the only thing that matters now 
is everything you think of me. I might think Mary thought the same thing. When she heard those four powerful statements from Jesus about what she had done. This is, this is an emotional thing here. I'm coming with an um, emotional message this morning. Um, like Mary, you know, we, we, we know Jesus, but um, as I think about uh, some of the challenges that we've had over the last year or so, the last week, uh, the last month, one of the things I think is happening in the church is that we're becoming what uh, might be called heartless, H-E-A-R-T-less, heartless, meaning that um, there is um, a, lack, a, a lack of consideration sometimes and a lack of feeling. I think that's what was wrong with the disciples. But Mary, God used Mary to show emotion, to show her feelings for her Lord Jesus. And she did it unashamedly. We have to be careful. The church has to be careful in, in that we can be involved in so many things and even things people think we should be doing. But what about our love for Jesus, expressing our love for Jesus? Social media. You know, we were talking about social media not that long ago. But social media, there's an upside and a downside to it. I'm busy on it sometimes. But one of the things that I've noticed that we have so much access to information and individuals say things that are harmful and that are heartless, even those in the body of Christ. And we must be careful. I even, and it was mentioned by uh, Pastor Beverly that uh, even in our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, there been nasty notes and death threats to the employees in race relations in the Office of Social Justice. There have been some terrible things said. Do you know what I mean, church? And sometimes they've been said in our own families. But when I think about this alabaster jar, the message in the jar was Mary pouring out the oil, but it is, I see it symbolizing her love for Jesus. I think the world and our neighbors need to see our love for Jesus. We can't lose that. We, we can't allow our hearts to become hardened. I remember being at a, a, a dining room table with a family. We were about to have uh, breakfast together. They called me to the table, and the husband uh, took out the Word of God. And I don't even remember where he was reading, but some of you may even do this in your own home. 
But he started reading. It was one of the Psalms. Maybe it was Psalm 63 when David talks about um, thirsting and, and, uh, and God um, being in a dry and thirsty land. Maybe it was that. I'm not for sure. But tears started coming down his eyes because he was thinking about his Lord. Those words meant something to him. His heart, like that alabaster box, was, was broken, and the oil came out. It was like Mary's heart was broken, and her praise and, and her love came out on to Jesus. Maybe you've poured out your love to Jesus in singing a song. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Maybe it was in a prayer or in a praise or taking, partaking in the Lord's Supper. I remember one of our members every time I would serve her the Lord's Supper, tears would come down her eyes because it was, she was a, that was an expression of her love for Jesus. Tears flowing down her face or joy. Maybe you remember jo joy flooding from your soul. You know, I, I grew up in the Baptist church, and when I was in my 20s, I remember, remember being at a church, and I had on a purple suit. Purple was bright. I, had, I worked in corporate. I had on this purple suit, and my pastor was preaching in an afternoon service, and we were standing and singing, and I'm sure I could be seen in that purple suit. That was not my intent. But there was a song, and the song, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's called He Touched Me, and all oh, the joy that flood my soul. Now, if you by any chance saw the Black Church uh, documentary a couple of weeks ago on PBS, they talked about a shout. Well, I've never practiced a shout, but somehow a shout came out of me. I was praising loud on when we, as we were singing that song, I hope some of you can relate to what I'm talking about because I started to think about when he saved me, when I felt the love of Jesus and something on the inside just caused me to shout and say, thank you, Jesus. And I also remember you, you're caught up. You're caught up in the spirit. And I, I remember feeling something on my side. And in the Baptist church, they have what are called nurses, and they wear these white uniforms. And one was coming close to me, and she told me to sit down. <laughs> That's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> she told me to sit down. My girlfriend was right next to me, but she went, crossed over, and she told me to sit down. And I remember having my hands up. I love praising my Lord, something like that. I wasn't doing it. I know I had that purple suit on, but I wasn't trying to be seen. 
I was trying to express my love for Jesus. And, I, and, and, and as I sat down, I felt a little bit embarrassed, and the pastor, uh, they had a new pastor, and he was hoping the church would become more lively and, and engage in worship and prayer. So he said a few words. But then I looked at my pastor. My pastor was a, a very kind, loving person, and he probably knew what Denise was thinking. And his lips motioned, I love you. And I know that was God that had him to do that. Because I was thinking that I did something in my own, and you know how you can do stuff in your flesh, you know what I'm talking about. But no, it came from the inside, showing my love for him because he saved me and he changed my life. The pastor said, I love you. I have to believe that Jesus was saying that to Mary. I love you, as she was expressing her love for Jesus. What's on the inside manifests on the outside. The internal becomes the external. Some people make an assumption about what they might see or hear when we're expressing our love, our passion for Jesus. But it doesn't make any difference what they think. It's what we know Jesus says. So I want us to, I want to leave this with you today, is that God invites us to show our love for Jesus. He invites us to show our love for Jesus and I want to take this just one step further in regards to our love for Jesus. Well, our love for Jesus, it informs how we treat other people. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love one another. Amen. To love each other. And in 1 John 4, it says that we love because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have not seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us that great command, we are to love him. Anybody who loves God must love his brother and sister. We're talking about the church of Jesus Christ. This love is what makes the difference in the world. This love is what makes a difference in the church as we navigate during these uh, difficult times in our country. It is difficult. There are some critical matters that are coming up, and, and I, I want to uh, encourage you to uh, stay with Jesus and, and to love Jesus. I just believe that uh, when we get close to Jesus, it makes a difference in terms of how we get close to other people. Um, <clears throat> This love is so needed. It's so needed. The, the love for Jesus 
It pleases him. He was pleased by Mary's affection. Love for Jesus cause, causes us to love one another and to love our neighbor. We can't do it on our own. The love for Jesus causes us to pray, to pray for those who persecute us, who insult us. The love of Jesus cause us, causes us to lift up one another, our brothers and sisters, and not to knock them down. I'm talking to the church this morning, and sometimes the love, our love for Jesus, it even causes us to give our very life. That's some kind of love. That's some kind of love that's on the inside. So this is the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week. Why don't we rekindle our love for Jesus? I'm going to turn off my Facebook and Twitter during this week. I'm not going to be on the phone, phone as much. What about you? What would it mean to rekindle your love for Jesus? We've had a hard year, a difficult year. But what would it be like if the church would rekindle our love for Jesus? It's like being in a relationship. Sometimes we get off. Sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we are not quite as observant as another individual's love. And we need to rekindle that. And when we rekindle our love with Jesus, that means we take time with him. We're in his word. We're singing the songs as they would say, the songs of Zion. But we're spending, spending time with Jesus. The world needs to see what's in our alabaster jar. They need to see what's in it. They need, and that is love. We need to spend time with our Lord this week. Walk with him. And don't leave the cross too soon. But stay at the cross with the suffering Jesus gave his life for us. I remember, as I come to a close here, I remember some time ago, it's been a while since I've been at Creston, but I remember hearing about some wonderful things that were happening in the congregation and in your community. And I remember riding around the community and just thinking, Lord, there's a lot of uh, field here for evangelism, for meeting your neighbors. Keep on, I want to encourage you to keep on loving Jesus above all things. Keep on loving Jesus. And the others will see, they will see what's in the alabaster jar. Keep on preaching. Keep on teaching. Keep on telling the story. 
that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the memorial, the gospel. The gospel, the gospel is love. The gospel is good news. So this is God's love story. It's his love story. It's his love story. Let's rekindle, rekindle our love for Jesus. And I believe we're going to sing a song even right now that expresses our love for Jesus. But let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord God, that at the start of Holy Week, we will be reminded of Bethany and that scene where as Mary, who expressed her love for Jesus, might be how we rekindle our love for Jesus. We want to love him, and that love is what the world needs to see, Lord. So guide, guide our reading of your word and our songs and guide our thoughts and help us to uh, detach and to disconnect from those things that might be distracting, even if it's just for an hour or so. Maybe it would be for the whole week. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you might help us. The world truly needs a witness of the kind of love that Mary poured out on her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we commit ourselves to you, and we know the greatest love is when we give our whole self to you. So we ask you if there is an area of our life in which our love needs to grow for you, may you show that to us. And may it lead us to nothing but obedience, obedience to your will. It's in Jesus we pray. Let the church say amen. Let the church say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.